Welcome to the High Rankings Podcast, brought to you by Dispensary Growth, the preeminent SEO agency for dispensary. Each episode will dive into the world of search engine optimization for cannabis dispensary. We'll discuss the latest strategies and tactics to help your dispensary rank higher on search engines and attract more patients and customers. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, join us as we explore how to maximize your online presence and stay ahead of the competition in the rapidly growing cannabis industry. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to episode number 35 of the High Rankings podcast with me, Kaz, and that other guy, Charlie. Whatever. Can you believe we're only a few weeks away from Thanksgiving? Yeah, this year has zoomed by... Honestly, like, I feel like it's been a really busy year, but does it not feel like forever ago that I went to England? Yeah, actually, it does. Did I get my bike around that same time? I know we were talking about... Maybe. Because for a long time, we were talking about you were getting it because you were going to go on that trip that never ended up happening. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, Whistler. Yeah, so I had... I got hurt, obviously, but my good buddy go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, I feel like... We were talking about me going and then I I went, but it feels like so long ago and we're already like, yeah, Thanksgiving is what, one, two and a half weeks away, something like that. It's on the 23rd, right? Yes. Yes. Oh. Can't wait. Best time of the year, I think. No, Christmas is. Mm, Thanksgiving rolling into holiday season. Yeah, Christmas. Whatever. Because I have very strong beliefs on when you can and cannot put Christmas decorations up. You need to finish one holiday before you start the next one. Therefore, you need to have Thanksgiving before you start putting up Christmas decorations. Those are my thoughts. Anyway, what's new? So shoulder is about, I'd say, close to 95% good. I can't move my hand like behind my spine, like all that much like I'm trying to do it right now. So range of motion, I've been injured since July. Range of motion is good. I won't need surgery on the shoulder, which is freaking fantastic. I will need it on my wrist. But I've been getting back out on the bike more, which is awesome. I can't do full downhill just yet. I can do like some like dirt jumping, like light dirt jumping and like slope style. And then also started lifting weights again, like a regular routine, which is freaking fantastic. I told my PT guy of a body like a bag of milk before uh, before last week. I've actually, you know, lifting weights kind of, you know, somewhat of a shape. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, just being more active. I do need to get back on the ice. I want to do it this weekend too. So I'll hit the gym and just, you know, being on skates, I I don't know if you've skied for an extended amount of time, but there's a thing like the guys that ski that also play hockey, like being on a stationary bike, it's not the same as playing hockey. And I imagine they say it's not the same as skiing. So if you haven't played hockey for a long time, like just get back out there and get back on the, on the skates, get back on the edges be on the ice, use those muscles. You're going to be sore. You're going to be cramped like crazy just because, you know, you haven't used, I haven't used those muscles in six months. So looking forward to it though. It should be a lot of fun. And Um, it's just, it's just hot as shit here in Denver right now. It's like gross for early November. First of all, you can quit your crying because I live in Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, that's gross. I feel like you may have missed the part last week where we discussed the fact that you're not allowed to do ice hockey anymore. Oh yeah. So there's a, I think there's two or three players already in the NHL that are, are wearing neck guards, which is good. I do wear a neck guard. I will continue to wear a neck guard. And 
a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, I did go about nine months without playing hockey. I, I was going to say this is the longest I've gone without playing hockey, but it's too much fun. Like being on the ice, being in the locker room, you know, around the guys and everything. It's it's too much fun. So I will continue to play, but I will be safe about it because that you know that did shake up the rec hockey community here, as it should. I mean that that's scary shit. Holy fuck, man. Yeah, that's very scary. Yeah. Anyway, I banned you, and that was pretty much how you know. That's what we talked about last week, and here we go. You know, the only way I would let you back onto the ice willingly without kicking up a fight was if you were like the emergency goalie that had to pop in. You know. <laughs> yeah, that that's wild. That's happened a few happened in Chicago. I know of a guy that's friends with him. The first time it happened in Chicago, and then it happened in Toronto, and. I think it happened in Edmonton too, but yeah, that would be bonkers. I, I was on the list of goalies the first year for the Avalanche. Like wasn't I, I, the, I never wasn't went to the game. one in um in Toronto. Didn't he end up being the goalie for the the opposing team? But he'd grown up a Toronto fan his whole life, or something like that. Wasn't that the guy? Yeah. So that yeah. So he, he was a Zamboni driver too for the the yeah, AHL yeah, yeah. team. So he yeah. the rule is is that the hosting team has somebody in the arena ready, willing, and able. So you play hockey somewhere, you have goalie pads. Yeah. If both goalies go down, then that person goes in. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Nobody really thought it would actually no, I just thought it was funny that he caused so he grew up like a lifelong Toronto fan. I'm pretty sure this is the guy. Yeah. And then he went into goal for the other team. He caused Toronto to lose the game to yeah. the opposing team. But yeah, he's a Toronto fan. I just yeah, thought- and that did come up. It's like, okay, what if, because like, you know, playoff implications, it was in early January, I remember. So like the playoff race wasn't that tight. But if, if we're getting towards the end of the season, I mean, yeah, that, that could really like yeah. screw things up. So, well, uh, I think that's just been that did come up in discussion. You know, you're a professional at that point and you're doing a job. And yeah, what's new in your life, guys? Why is probably not a whole lot? I'm gonna lie. Actually, you know damn well what's new in my life, and it is a whole lot. So we now have our brand new boat. We went and did the sea test on Thursday, and then we trailered it to our marina on Friday, and then we took the kids out on it on Sunday. And it is fast. It's like fast. What's, a lot of fun. Like what was different about it? Like the first thing you noticed, first three things that you noticed that were different about it, what are they? Well, it's a center console and the other one wasn't. The other one was more of like like a cruiser type boat. This one is specifically designed to be a hybrid between a fishing boat and like a family fun day type boat. So that, one, two, there's a lot more seating area and we don't have a downstairs area anymore. So the old boat had like a galley, a bathroom, two bedrooms. That's all gone. And that doesn't exist anymore. And everything's just so clean and spotless and... This one, you know, has a fish finder and all the fancy stuff that my husband wanted on it. So Fish finder. Yeah. So it has this little thing, component thing under the bottom of the boat, right? And it talks to your touchscreen TV thing at the steering wheel, captain's helm, whatever. And it tells you, it shows you exactly what's under the water in terms of, so it tells you like water temperature, depth, all that kind of stuff. But it also mm-hmm. tells you fish Wow, that's badass. Yeah. Is and that then pretty I, standard? I mean, it's not an uncommon thing to have on a boat. And if you're if you're into fishing, then absolutely you should and would have one. We didn't have one on the old boat because that was more like a pleasure type cruiser. This is he specifically got this thing to fish. So so yeah. And then I ordered the so you have to have numbers on your boat. Like on your car, you have a 
license plate on your boat you have numbers that go on either side of your boat at the front and then a lot of people name their boat and then they put you know your vinyl stickers on the boat so i had ordered the name for the boat and i got it we put it on and it's just too it was too small like the vinyl the name was too small and i'm like well if we go bigger i think it's just going to take away from the look of the boat so we're like what do we do so we've now decided to put the sticker, the name just just at the back of the boat and not down the sides of the boat. So I had to reorder the stickers, the name stickers. Luckily, they peeled off real quick because they hadn't been baked on there yet. We put them on and took them off the same day. So that was cool. The kids love it. So we took them out. And yeah, that thing is fast. Lesson I have learned is this thing has so many cup holders on it. And I had a can of like monster or something and the kids had Gatorade so they had bottles with lids on them and I had a can and I had drunk like well over half of my can and my husband has no chill and was going too fast as a boat was coming past us up the channel and so we literally flew like my ass was out of the seat and so my monster went everywhere so I have learned Ooh. that we're going at any speed you really need like a drink with a lid on it because this thing is so fast. But once you're like, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're snorkeling for the day or fishing and you're not flooring it, then it's fine. But there's literally cup holders everywhere and fishing rod holders everywhere. So, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the summer when we can like thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. And yeah, so that's new. What else is new? I think that's it. But that's a kind of a big new. I mean, that's not a little thing. That's a huge thing. So. Yeah, that's huge. That's badass too. So that's new. Oh, 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 also new. Not thrilling. It's not as thrilling as a new boat, but I did finally order my new washing machine and dryer. So I'm very <laughs> I've been eyeing this set up for like a year now. Oh, boy. And I finally ordered it. So it's coming tomorrow. So I'm very excited. Because they do look badass. I will yeah. say they do look pretty badass. Yeah. I got Our old set's like 12 years old and it's the old shitty, you know, cheapo white whirlpools stuff and it has an agitator in it and i just oh, i've been dying to get rid of the freaking agitator for a long time so yeah they come tomorrow so i'm not going to be talking to anyone or doing any work tomorrow i'm going to be doing laundry with my new stuff <laughs> they look pretty cool very like sleek black i guess modern design so when i went to um winter park last year i stayed i stayed in airbnb and the host had a washer and dryer like that i was like these are freaking amazing actually like so quiet so efficient and like just fast it just it got it done in like such a short amount of time i was like this thing is sick mm -hmm. these are badass and you know so i did get a large capacity one on purpose because i wash all of our bedding every single week and there's the four of us so i got large capacity for a reason but one thing that i really like about the dryer it has a steam element to it so there's a I don't know, a tube, a cable or whatever, a pipe that goes from the dryer to the washing machine so it can bring water into the dryer and steam your clothes. So let's say you really wanted to wear a shirt and for some reason it had fallen off your hanger and was all crumpled. You can put it in your dryer and it will steam the wrinkles out for you. Wow. Yeah. So I'm pretty psyched about it. That's so it's cool. driving tomorrow at some point. I'm not sure when because I haven't had the four-hour window situation yet. But I've been wanting it for a long time. And my husband is one of those, well, if it's not broken, why are we replacing it type thing? They are at least 12 years old. And I just, it was time. It was time. So I'm very excited about that. So that's new. And I think that's it. 
I don't think I have anything else. Very exciting. Best news in probably three months. What, my washer and dryer or my boat? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I am like, I'm super psyched. Anyway, so that's us all caught up for... What are you doing for Thanksgiving? i in my parents' house and just eating like a sewer rat for nine hours yeah. straight. Yeah, but that food is good though, so... Oh yeah, it's fucking fire. Well, you're probably going on the boat, right? Yeah, so... Typically, if the weather is good, it is tradition of ours that we spend Thanksgiving on the boat. We've done it since we had the first boat. And yeah, it's just a tradition. It's nice to spend time with family, but we have Thanksgiving and Christmas. And actually, we're going on a cruise in a couple of weeks, us, the kids, and my husband's mom and her fiance. So we're getting family time in then anyway. But yeah, we try and do it just out on the water because we're so lucky in Florida that we can. So, yeah, that's the plan. Cool. Nice, nice. But we won't be taking the whole shebang. We'll probably just make like turkey sandwiches or something, which is yeah. what we know. Okay. Anyway, moving on, we are on episode number 35, which whew, crazy. And this week, we're actually going to do something a bit different. We're going to talk about frequently asked questions that come up, whether it's with clients or when people ask what we do for a job. We get a lot of questions then. So we kind of have it structured out as to what we think we're going to talk about, but inevitably we'll be like, oh, did you ever get asked this question by somebody? So we might be jumping around just a little bit, but we figured we'd do that because sometimes people don't want to ask questions because they don't want to appear like it's a dumb question. And I don't think it is a dumb question to ask if you don't know, but hopefully we'll cover enough that you know we've answered a lot of questions that people might have. So I guess the very, very first question would be, what is SEO? Because people are like, what do you do for a job? And I'm like, oh, you know, I work in SEO with dispensaries. And they're like, oh, like they might know enough to know what a keyword is, but like that might be it. Or they're like, I don't even know what you, what you said. So what exactly does SEO stand for? What is it? And what's the point? So SEO stands for search engine optimization, and it's the practice. It's a digital marketing tactic practice of getting a website to the top of Google and getting it found by the target market of the respective website. So in this case, it's dispensaries. We work with dispensaries. So this is getting, whether it's rec or medicinal customers to a respective dispensary's website. And there's different tactics mm -hmm. of doing it, but it's getting a website to the top of Google. So it's cleaning it up, all the technical BS in the guts of the website, the code and all that's cleaning that up. It's just, it's optimizing the website to be as clean and efficient as possible to get to the top. Piggybacking off that, what I have been asked is, oh yeah, no, you can just pay for that, right? Just pay for SEO? No, you could just pay to get to the top of the page. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, you, you can. Okay, so it, it's organic traffic. That's a good point. So it's organic traffic. So when you search something like dispensary near me, that might be a bad example. So like where to buy a boat in Tampa. So you'll see Google ads at the top and dealerships will pay for those ads at the top. Like they'll basically bid on those keywords because they know what people are searching for. Like you can do keyword research and that only lasts as long as you run those ads. Whereas SEO is more sustainable and it's more effective because it's actually showing in the results of the Google page. So yes, you can pay for it to be at the top, but it's not going to last forever. And SEO is more effective and more sustainable. I liken it to this. 
I say that you can pay for ads, absolutely. Well, there is a big caveat that we will discuss momentarily. But yes, you can pay for an ad that will put you at the top of the search page, or you can invest in SEO. Paying for an ad to put you at the top of the page is like renting. The minute that you stop paying for that ad, you are gone. Investing in SEO is like owning a home and having a mortgage. You are consistently investing in it. And if you work your way up step-by-step and you organically find yourself at the top of the search engine page, typically that's where you'll stay as long as you obviously continue to put in the work. Even if you stopped doing the work for a month or two, you wouldn't slide all the way back down to the bottom and you wouldn't disappear entirely. So it's a question of, do you just want to throw money at something for a few months or do you want to invest long-term in something for the success of your dispensary? So those really, to me, is like the two different ways that you... The caveat with that is that We work with dispensaries. Our podcast is all about dispensaries. Our website is all about dispensaries. And the caveat is that you cannot advertise your dispensary, period. You cannot advertise any products in your dispensary, period. So you cannot buy an ad that will put you at the top of the page, the search results page, but neither can any of your competitors either. So you 100% will rely on investing in SEO in order to get you to the top of the page because you don't have another option. And that's a good point. And also it's that like, I guess it doesn't really matter what market you're in, but it's brutally competitive. There's a huge customer base out there, whether you're, well, obviously Michigan, Missouri, Colorado, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter where you are, but it is brutally competitive. And if you're not doing SEO, your competitors sure as hell are. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why when you do, you know, a dispensary near me, best dispensary near me, whatever it might be, it's pages of results because there's so many people who are investing in SEO who either are at the top and trying to stay there or trying to work their way to the top. So yeah, you can't advertise you cannot pay for that. Unlike almost every other industry out there, it's not an accessible thing for a dispensary to be able to do. Okay. So we've talked about SEO, what SEO is, what it stands for, what it does, what the purpose of it is. So how do we do SEO? Like we don't just snap our fingers and magically get to the top of a search engine page. So what's like the critical steps of SEO, would you say? Critical steps of SEO. Okay. First, clean up the guts of the website. Make sure there's no technical roadblocks. So run an extensive audit. And then from there, you know, clean up your website structure, you know, images loading. I don't want to get like too technical and it's so boring. And we've also done episodes on that. So go back and look at our previous episodes if you want to dig deeper into that, because we have done deep dives into that. Yeah. And just make sure the website loads correctly. And there's no technical deficiencies, which could probably take about a month. So once that is cleaned up, then you can do a content audit, see how it, and you do that by looking at the analytics of the website, Google Analytics, Search Console, and then I like SEMrush as a tool. And then making sure that is all sound, your content is good. You're probably going to end up you know, redirecting some of the content pages, blogs that don't have any value. Strain pages that aren't getting any kind of traffic. They're just taking up space. 
prune some of the content and then come up with a content plan and a backlink outreach plan mm -hmm. and consistently do that every single month. So it would be like, I want to lose weight and gain muscle. You need to come up with a nutrition plan and a workout plan to hit those two goals. Okay. And then execute, obviously execute consistently. Mm -hmm. So you've cleaned up, you've done, you've run your audit, you've cleaned up your website, you have made sure any links that you have work, your URL structure sound, then what do we do? Okay. So from there, you got to focus on the content, obviously in the backlinks, but have a good grasp on the keywords that you want to rank for. So if you're in, let's just say Colorado, do the keyword research of a handful of competitors around you, see what they're ranking for and where the opportunities are. Basically, like what are they screwing up that you can capitalize on? Like what's the low hanging fruit? And come up with a plan for keywords. So who's ranking for what? How are they ranking for it? How is your content on the website? How often are they putting out content? Like what is their cadence? And come up with a strategy to be better than that. But keywords, 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 keywords. That is a huge, huge focus. So one question that I have been asked many times is like, how do I know what keyword I'm supposed to be using? Like, they'll be like, oh yeah, I know SEO, like it's keywords and stuff, right? Yeah, kind of, but yeah. Well, how do you know like what keyword you want? How do you know what keyword to use? You can use tools like, again, I, I like SEMrush. Look at certain keywords, like of course, dispensary near me, bud near me, you know, weed near me, but maybe there's like a certain strain like purple urkel and that has really high keyword volume. So maybe like 10,000 searches per month and you sell Purple Urkel, that's a big opportunity. And then you have to you know, do the keyword research of, will it be possible to rank for this based on keyword difficulty? You know, again, look at your competitors, what are they ranking for and then find the gaps. But as far as what you wanna rank for, you should, do, you should do an analysis on your inventory. What do you wanna move the fastest? What is most popular and what needs help in terms of sales and then come up you know, with a priority of priority list from there. And then you could do your keyword research based off of that. What are your thoughts on that? Because you've you used to do uh, keyword research. How would you start? I mean, I still kind of do keyword research, but how would I start? I personally would go look at competitors' website. Well, first of all, I'd, I'd see what I didn't have, which, you know, would probably be a lot. Then I'd go look at my competitors' websites, see what they have on their websites, particularly blogs. Then I would go do some research on them on SEMrush and identify what blog pages of theirs are doing really well. And that would be my starting point of like, okay, either I don't have a page on these topics or I do, but I need to rework it. And then I would identify the keyword and then do research based on that. Also, I would ask my client what they want because I think- It's probably a good move. Yeah, there's a balance of like, what can I do that's going to move that needle quickly versus what they want that probably won't, if that makes sense. Because a lot of times they'll want to rank for a word that you know damn well is not going to rank quickly, but you need to be able to show them that they are still moving up the search engine results page. Yeah, yeah. You kind of want to hybrid both. So yeah, always ask your client, hey, what's important to you? What do you want to rank for? 
okay, this is what your competitors are ranking for. They don't match up. How about we do a bit of what you want to rank for, which is basically you're looking long-term at that point or longer term. And hey, if we attack these keywords, then we can take some, some traffic away from your competitor and you'll start ranking a bit quicker. So you kind of have to set the expectation of like short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. So that would be my kind of two-pronged approach to it. But that's having the luxury of several years of experience now versus when I first started, I was told, we need a blog on this, find some keywords. So it comes with you know, experience, understanding the market better, understanding your clients better, and understanding expectations and how to make sure that we're all on the same page as far as that goes. So that's how I would approach that. Yeah, I completely forgot about our onboarding process, you know, asking what the dispensary wants to ring for, competitors, you know, all that. But yeah, that's that's a good point. What's important to them, right? Well, yeah, because they're the client and and they may be like, I don't want to do what you want to do. I only want to focus on this. And that's fine. That's completely fine. That's what they that's what they want. But if that's what they want, you now have to set the expectation that this is going to be a longer process. Yeah. Right, right. And they may be fine with that. And in that case, great. You have a great client that you can work with. So yeah. So this was some, my next question is something that initially I didn't really fully understand. And it's very simple, but it was one of those things that kept get bounded around in a conversation and I never thought to ask. And then it kind of, oh, I get it now. But the difference, what's the difference between local SEO and just regular SEO, just SEO? Okay. So like fixing brakes on a car is like, is fixing brakes on a car, right? So if you're fixing brakes on a forerunner, you're fixing brakes on a, it's not that much different from fixing brakes on a Ford Escort. The end result is still the same. You're trying to stop the vehicle. The end result of national SEO is getting more of a warmer audience to the website. Just that national SEO is kind of what it sounds like, like a little bit more broad in scope. So it can be like more broad keywords, like how to roll a blunt or what are rolling papers or what is purple weed. Where local SEO is, is more targeted to like a dispensary here in Denver, Colorado, and they want to optimize their Denver dispensary page. They want to optimize their GMB or a, a Google business profile, the reviews, their online reputation, you know, local backlinks, local citations, all of that. So it, it's, it's just a, a tighter audience, tighter type of customer that you're going after at the local level versus like a national level. And national is still good, like it still builds domain authority and all of that. But I think that the goal for local SEO should be to strictly to provide, obviously to provide value for the consumer, but to also drive revenue as well. And if done correctly, you can utilize both tactics in a very effective way. So geographically tighter is what you mean. Yeah, when you yeah, say, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, if you're a handful of dispensaries in Colorado, you don't want traffic from California, Montana, Maryland, Michigan, Missouri, like you, you just want Colorado, right? So that's, that's where local SEO comes in. Okay. You mentioned citations and backlinks when you were just discussing that. What is a citation and what is a backlink? They're actually very, very similar. And it's, it's basically a mention of your website from somebody else's website. So in this case, it can be like, actually, it can be another dispensary mentioning you. It could be a article in a local newspaper mentioning you can be like a directory, which is very common. It can be a list on a very popular website of like 
when you travel to Miami, be sure to visit these five dispensaries and like you're listed in that list of dispensaries. Like those are backlinks and those are good backlinks too. So backlinks are still important. Oh yeah. Hugely important. Yes. Backlinks are important. Yes. Okay. So what about reviews? We've, we've done a deep dive into Google reviews. So go and look at our previous podcast in terms of how to get them, why they're important, et cetera. But what do we do when someone's coming to a dispensary and for some reason didn't have a great time? And now on our Google reviews, we have a two star and some not very nice verbiage. Like what is the best way to handle that? Not just from, from a professional standpoint, but also, you know, from an SEO standpoint. So first thing to do would be to address it from the Google business profile as the owner, you can respond to reviews as the owner. So let's say somebody had like a poor experience at your dispensary. You should respond to that and ask, I'm sorry, Jane Doe, sad to hear about your poor experience. Can you please articulate, please articulate what happened. We would love the opportunity to make it up to you, maybe like a gift card or I'm the general manager. Here's my direct phone number to talk about it. At least send that signal on a public forum that you care, like you give a shit about your customers and you want to make things right. I wouldn't stalk the customer, obviously, but you know, at least try to make it right and show again that you care and that you're willing to make it better. Okay. So how does that help my SEO though? Well, it shows engagement. A review is a review. I mean, a bad review isn't that great, but I would say out of 50 reviews, hopefully, you get one turd or somebody's just pissed off and they get one bad review. Yeah. So that... I mean, like, I understand it from, from a professional point of view that, yeah, like if someone's had a bad time, you really want to turn that around and, and show them that, you know, that was an anomaly. That's not how your dispensary operates and you want to earn their custom back, right? So from a professional point of view, great. But like, how does me responding to that review, like, how's that going to help me with my SEO? Okay, so responding to reviews, good and bad, is both very, very important because it shows, again, you give a shit in the community, you care about your customers, and you're also seen as a trusted source in the eyes of Google. So kind of the, the numbers game, right? One in 50, you might, it's a bad day, kind of a turd, whatever, they have it out for you or it's a competitor, but offered to make it right. And that will show engagement to Google. So again, you'll be seen as a trusted source. One of the ranking factors for local SEO is dominance. So again, more reviews you get, probably get one or two bad ones. Just it's important to respond back to it and show the high engagement in the eyes of Google. So yes, that responding will absolutely help. Okay. Well, there we go. Okay. So another question would be about, because I think I know we talked to a client about this, about how important it was to have like either an app or that your website needs to be like compatible with like cell phones and mobile devices. Like how big of a deal is that? Being mobile responsive? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, I would say over 90% of traffic for dispensaries is is mobile. So yeah, that's that's massive. If, if you have just some pigeon website from you know, like looks like it was on Netscape Navigator back in the <laughs> mid nineties. Like you're <laughs> one, you're probably just a, a joke of a dispensary. And two, your customers are just going to, it's called bounce, are just going to hop off of there. It sends a certain signal that you don't have your shit together if your website isn't responsive. So yes. And it's, it's also a ranking factor too. 
So if your website looks like the Pit Viper website, unironically, you got issues. <laughs> yeah, you've got problems. That's a cool website. I love it. So how how do you make sure that your website is optimized for like mobile devices? Okay, well, it, it should be modern. So you should have a professional agency or a really good freelancer do it. And they should use best practices. They should use the latest technology. We're biased to WordPress. I've heard good things about Duda and uh, Webflow as well. But use the latest technologies and latest technologies, you know, keep in mind mobile first, your website will be responsive. So how to keep it mobile responsive? It's just the way it is today. It has to be mobile responsive. Just has to. Can you imagine like in this day and age, if you were like, oh, I'm going to go, I want a new bike. And there's a store I've seen in downtown, whatever town, I'm going to check out their website and you go and it's just the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> like, I would leave so fast. I, I would get I, so mad. I like, I get so pissed off when I see, like when I'm trying to shop on a website and I have to like, it takes effort for me to find, it takes effort for me to spend money. Like I have to click like six times to find one. I get fucking furious. <laughs> I just get poopy pants. I get so pissed off. And if I saw a website where I want to make a big investment, like a downhill mountain bike, like a nice one, like a carbon fiber, like I have, like, no, they should have their shit together because I know what I want. And I'm like, I want to buy it now. I don't want to wait. I'm sure as hell not going to wait on a fucking website. I think we're just such, we're such an impatient, like nation at this point. And we just want everything available. Like, here's an example. I love Trader Joe's, right? And I don't have the nearest one I would have to drive about 45 minutes to get to, which I don't necessarily mind because I can hit a bookstore, the British store and Trader Joe's like boom, boom, boom. But I can't go on their website and see what they have in store. But I can do that for grocery stores around me. I can do that for Walmart. I can do that for Target. I can do that, you know, but I can't do it for like Trader Joe's. And it like makes me irrationally angry because everybody else is doing it. So why can't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just think that that's the kind of society that we're in now. So if I want to go buy a vape pen, I want to go to your website and either know that it's in stock before I leave or order it and do the drive through pickup where I don't yeah. even stay in my pajamas and get out of my car, not get out of my car. So if you don't have that convenience as a dispensary, you will lose customers. Without a doubt, you will lose customers. No question. Absolutely. Yeah. But your competitor who's half a mile down the road has it. And if I can stay in my pajamas and get it, I'm not coming to you. So absolutely. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Another question. How often do I need to update my website and the content on it? Ideally, at least three times a week, you know, depending on where you want to be, like what your goals are, yeah. your market, how competitive it is, what your competitors are doing, just the, the amount of volume where you're located, but ideally three times a week. So whether that's revising current content on there, like adding to it more page links, et cetera, mm -hmm. or just putting on new content, but yeah, or maybe updated design, but ideally I'd say a handful of times a week. Okay. So I think this was one of my first questions when we started working together here. How long is all this going to take? How long does SEO take? Uh, I like mean, that, that really depends. Okay. So like, think of it this way. If I go in, I still look like a fucking farm animal from my injury. And I go see a personal trainer. I say to him or her, 
I say, okay, personal trainer, when will I see results from working out? And if somebody else goes with a completely different body composition and asks the same thing, they're going to get a completely different answer. So it varies. I know it's kind of a shitty or like a gray answer, but it's like, okay, well, have you done SEO in the past? What are you currently doing right now? Where are you located? Where, like, what are your competitors doing? If done properly, like you'll see results in the first 30 days, but you know, month four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that's where things really start to flow like crazy with, with SEO. That, that's that waterfall effect. So again, you'll see results in the first 30 days if done correctly, but later down the line is when you see some serious results to the point where SEO just, just makes, it's a bigger risk to not do it than it is to do it. So basically results may vary. <laughs> yeah. The short answer of that results may vary. Okay. It depends. Um, so speaking of results, like how do I know if I'm doing a good job? How do I know? Like, I mean, I guess I could search myself on Google or I could search the keywords I've been looking for on Google, but like in your opinion, what do you think is the best way to analyze the work that's being done so that dispensary owners understand like we've done all this work you've invested this much money and here's how it's paying off for you okay so you need to set expectations and goals first and then come up with a plan execute the plan and then after you know a certain amount of time benchmarks after a certain amount of time go back and review those benchmarks and see where you are and you can do that by using google analytics google search console and again i'm partial to semrush but look at the website channel of organic traffic, how many new users, how many sessions, what the session conversion rate is, and depending on how your e-commerce is set up, what your conversions are for like the past 30 days from the organic traffic channel. Mm -hmm. And then go into search console, you know, look at impressions, look at click-through rate, look at total clicks, all that, and then queries. And so the short answer, use Google Analytics and use Google Search Console. Okay. So this question is a bit long-winded, but I will get to my point. So back in the day, say you were trying to rank for the word tomato, right? You had your website and it looked fancy, but there was this bit that nobody could see. And it was a blank bit at the bottom of the page, say it was white and in white font. So nobody could see it was written a million times over the word tomato. And then Google would scroll your website and it would see the word tomato was on your website a million times and whoop, you'd go to the top of the ranking. Well, Google got smart to that. You can't pull that kind of crap anymore. And quite rightly so, because it should be about effort and it should be about providing quality content to you know the people that come to your website. But my question is, how often does Google change the rules when they scrape your website or change the parameters? And then within that, how do you know what they've changed and when they've changed it? So how often do they change it? All the time. I mean, there's this a, a new algorithm rollout just I think it's past week. I think it's uh, fully rolled out. So Google, I forgot the name. But there's a Twitter handle, like the official Twitter handle of Google Organic. They provide updates on there. There's also a YouTube channel. I, the name is slipping me, but John Mueller is his name. He provides updates on there. And then there, there's also uh, documentation. There's like official documentation that will tell you, you know, a helpful content update or, you know, the Penguin update or, you know, wh whatever it is. Here's what this update to the algorithm focuses on. You need clean backlinks. You need helpful content. You need non-generative 
AI content. And that, they'll tell you straight up too. It's, it's no coincidence that after ChatGPT, there's no coincidence that after ChatGPT was live, that like the next day, Google came out with a new algorithm update saying, if you have AI content, you're probably going to drop in rankings. So how often does Google do it? Very often. And they articulate everything in their documentation. How does Google know it's AI content though? That is a good question. I don't know, but Google knows everything. So, <laughs> so does ChatGPT Chat knows. Well, I don't know how accurate that is because you can ask ChatGPT if he wrote something. He and uh, who can tell you he did, and you know damn well he didn't. So uh, that bit of chat of AI is questionable to me. But I think AI within SEO has its place. But I think there's a very fine line between using it for research purposes and then writing a whole website or content from AI. You should um, not be doing that. No, like you can get ideas for like title tags, meta descriptions, maybe like headlines and all that, but you should not be generating full, like full page content with ChatGPT. No. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's great for like, hey, I want to do a topic on this. Can you give me some, I don't know, title ideas? And then you would get the ideas and then throw them in SEMrush and see if there's any volume. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, yeah. But also, I think it's really important to remember that at least with ChatGPT, I cannot speak to any other AI format. It's only relevant up until 20, it's either September of 2020 or September of 2021. So if you're looking mm. for something topical, because I was trying to help my one of the kids with something for school. And I was trying to research something and it was about the banking. Remember when the banks started going under at the beginning of the year? Like yeah, there was some yeah. banking issues. And I was trying to help her research that a little bit, but chat GPT couldn't because it didn't go, it wasn't, you know, it didn't come this far in time. So again, a lot of the things that you're going to be putting into your website are somewhat topical. And if you're looking for chat GPT to help you out with that, good luck because it doesn't really come to this yeah. kind of thing. So everything has its limits. And like I said, I definitely think it has a place. I just don't think it's as you shouldn't be using it as much as some people are. Kind of makes you lazy too. Like, oh no, Ch you know, ChatGPT only goes up to this point this month of this year in terms of data. Now we have to do research. Oh no. You know, like yeah. And also I, I think I'm thinking about one of our clients in particular, they, I think it's really important that your website has its own unique voice and its own unique kind of character. And so like we have one client, for example, they are heavily involved in their local communities at their multiple dispensaries. And they kind of have a very specific vibe and a very specific feel to them. And I think that you lose all of that personality when you're using, you know, an AI tool to write your stuff because you lose all personality with it at that point. And I think one thing that makes this client so successful is the fact that their bud tenders, their dispensaries and everything they do is so community focused. Like it does come through in their website. So they're very we customer first. Yeah, customer exactly. Yeah. And we do get asked about AI a lot and it's not to say that we don't use it, but we use it very sparingly. And so I definitely think that that's something to take into consideration. I think that's most of the questions that I have. A lot of things like 
the difference between organic traffic and non-organic traffic or citations, backlinks. We've covered like really, really in-depth in other episodes. I was going to so, say, like we, we've talked about this like extensively yeah. in other episodes. Yeah. So definitely, if you have a question that we haven't covered, go back and look at our previous episodes. And if we still haven't covered it, go ahead and shoot us a message. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on our website. Because there may just be something that we've completely overlooked and it would make a great episode that you would benefit from, but so would all of the rest of the listeners. And we like hearing from you. Also, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe and give us a glowing review because we love those too. And we just discussed how important reviews are. So now we did. (laughs) So hopefully you will give us a glowing one. And I think that's it for this week. We will catch you in the next episode next week. Peace. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the High Rankings Podcast, brought to you by Dispensary Growth, the preeminent SEO agency for dispensaries. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you found value in the insight and the tips we shared. If you did, please hit that subscribe button. And if you're feeling super generous, we would love it if you left us a review. If there's a specific topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, or if you have any questions, you can go ahead and find us on LinkedIn or YouTube. We'll see you next time.